Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, um, we've got CUSA. We've got Conference USA to talk about. It's the conference that everybody loves. It's the conference that everybody loves to watch. It's the conference that, frankly, all of the teams uh, in it want to be in it. They want to play in the CUSA. They're not trying to leave to go to the Sun Belt. They're not right. getting a restraining order against it. Everybody here really wants to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's a relationship, you know, that's like going awesome. It's like mm-hmm. you're definitely not just in a relationship because you have a shared lease or whatever. You're not both running out the clock. Yeah. Um, it's cool. It's healthy. It's it's honestly sick. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the this is it's funny. The, the CUSA has its relationship with its teams that many of its teams have with their coaches. <laughs> They're just sort of, yeah, well, I guess you're the coach and <laughs> we don't want to go find a different one and you don't want to find a different job. So uh, Seth Luttrell, you're coming back for 2022. <laughs> it's, that's uh, right. It's that's right. Of, we don't have anyone else. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a like lot of that. Uh, you know, it's like Marshall's like texting Nakusa. It's like, hey, I got tickets tonight for uh, Glass Animals. We go with my friends. Like, if you want to come, you're, you know, here's the link to buy tickets. And Nakusa's uh, <laughs> texting back, like, we've lived together for two and a half years. We're in a relationship for, you know, what are you talking about? Like, you're not buying me a ticket. Yeah. And Marshall's like, no, I don't know. I think I just have fun with my friends. And like, if you want to come, you can definitely tag along. And, that's how it's going. That's that's what's going on. Yeah, it's it's going very well. Uh, for it's for, a lot like that, I yeah, guess. For both sides, um, we are for the sake of this preview only going to talk about the eleven teams that want to be in this conference, and that's even generous because another four or five of them are leaving. But um, the eleven teams that are planning to be in this conference for this season, uh, so the the three that are hoping to depart to the to the Sun Belt, we are going to respect their wishes and include Southern Miss, Old Dominion and um, Marshall in the Sunbelt preview rather than the CUSA preview, which is partially out of the goodness of our heart and partially because uh, that's how I'm doing it for the sake of the outside zone preview. Uh, and I haven't done any right. research on those teams yet. So we're going to we're gonna go with that as the reason that we're, <laughs> that we're only going to do the 11th and are actually going to compete in this conference this season. And it's also so great too, because uh, whenever you Google, it's like prepare for the episode, like, you know, one of our, one of the hosts here did for sure mm-hmm. is which teams are leaving the CUSA. Yeah. Uh, it, it also Google autocorrects for you to which teams are leaving the USA. Mm. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, what teams do you think are most likely to leave the USA in the next year, Patrick? The Jaguars. It's always the Jaguars. The Jaguars are out of here. They're gone. Okay, so it's the NFL Jacksonville Jaguars yeah, leaving the yeah they're college leaving. football. <laughs> yeah, they're leaving. They're leaving the USA. They're getting out of here. No more. Okay. Yeah. All um, right. It, it, I think we could probably move a college football team elsewhere. We I think we could get. I mean, Florida International. It's already in. The well, day. there were those. <laughs> there were those very serious rumors from a guy who think very seriously uh-huh. last year that uh, Toronto was going to join the Big Ten. Remember that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is a. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, man. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That would be a fun road trip. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Coming back, the entire the entire beat for every uh Big Ten school is looking like the uh, the Chris Berman video. You know the one I'm talking about, where he's ta- he's he's every time they get a Canadian road trip, he's excited because he can buy the Canadian aspirin that has uh <laughs> oh I can't even remember what it has in it, but he he is it's from the 80s and he's he's uh. He's detailing. It's got like nine percent codeine or something in it, and he's all fired up. About it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, uh, you'd be back on the Ohio no, State no, beat in no time if Toronto was in the Big Ten because you got to make those. Roads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm googling this right now. Actually, I'm very curious. It's a very good. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll actually, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll toss in the, um, 
the the clip of it. So oh yeah, he says he says just enough to give you that pop. Yeah, just enough to give you that <laughs> pop. It's it's you know it, it's a, it's a very great video. I'll uh, I'll include it. You know what it do 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 is? It's Canadian aspirin with a little bit of codeine in it. You know, just enough to give you that pop. The eight percent codeine never hurt anybody. Um, Ryan, you want to talk? You want to talk Cusa here? Yeah, let's get into it, Patrick. All right. Uh, we're starting with tier five. It's the worst tier. Uh, it has one team in it. Patrick, what team is in tier five? Uh, it's, it's Florida international. It's, um, it's one of the worst teams in college football, if not the worst team in college football, um, moving on from Butch Davis, which is a good thing to do just in general, but, uh, goes out and hires Mac- Mike McIntyre from, uh, who's to say where he was. I think he was with Memphis last, uh, and didn't seemingly did a guy do a who great job there. Everyone really loves to have around too. Which yes. Is good. Yeah. It's, it's famously he's, he's been, you know, he's stuck around at a lot of places. He, you know, Colorado just loved to have him. Ole Miss really loved to have him in the, the, the final days of the Matt Luke era and Memphis. It seems like really did a great job on defense under his guidance. And now he's here uh, at the program that doesn't even want to play football. They really would prefer not to. And Mike McIntyre's, I'd say the perfect coach for that situation. Um, he they, does. He does have two career 10 win seasons, which I think has to put him like, in, there's probably not 25 guys who are active yeah. at coaches in college football with two 10 win seasons in their career. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of the thing with McIntyre. And that was the, you know, uh, the the only time that I will say that a, that a hire is outright bad from the jump is if I can't understand the thinking behind it, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. like Terry Bowden last year, I didn't. There was not really a reason, any any like justifiable <laughs> reason to do something like that, right? With Mike mm-hmm. McIntyre, I think it's a I think it's a dumb reason. I don't think it's going to work. But I think the reasoning that they brought him in was that he did win at San Jose State, and San Jose State is not exactly a moneyed program. And the theory is that because he won there at a place that doesn't invest in football in a in a kind of, you know, a pretty area where the fans don't really pay a ton of attention outside of the very, very core base um, in a conference with good teams like what what San Jose State is in um, up at the top. I think that the theory is that he can do something similar here. And so I, I do understand the process. I just don't I don't think I really agree with it because I don't think Mike McIntyre is an especially good football coach. So here's a fun stat for him too, by the way, and his two best seasons as a coach, he's been, so this will be his 10th season as a coach map this year. And the previous nine, two of those seasons, he totaled 10 wins. Uh, he went 20 and six combined in those two years with two ranked finishes. Uh, in the other seven seasons, his record was a combined uh, 26 and 59 hmm. with uh, none of those featuring a bowl appearance or a finish at or above 500. <laughs> so you have to (laughs) here's the thing if you hate the law of large numbers you're gonna love mike mcintyre yeah Uh, (laughs) and you know we hate the law of large numbers on this this podcast oh that's one of the worst laws of all time it's up there with the uas yeah (laughs) some of the worst yeah we're rattling off our least favorite laws yeah i i i think yeah patrick (laughs) i mean for patrick i think obviously i think we all know age of consent in this top three oh come on Um, yeah because i'm because i'm i'm 15 and i'm ready to get i'm ready to get move on here <laughs> okay so so anyway moving on with the mike mcintyre question i guess besides that just the rest of the program as a whole is it reasonable to expect any kind of like signs of life here or, or like and if so like where are they coming from um not really i don't i don't think we're gonna see this is <laughs> i i think that the, the thing we're looking for this here is is foundational pieces upon which he could build the program out 
Um, I, I guess the guy you could be excited about is Tyrese Chambers at wide receiver, but uh, outside of that, like, you know, their their best players are gone. Devontae Price is gone from running back. They, I think, kind of a lot of people, weirdly a lot of people knew about this recruitment, but Miles Frazier, the offensive tackle, is going to LSU. It was like a weird amount of focus on him given his status as an offensive tackle at, at FIU, but he's gone. Um, Dante Keyes, a guard, has gone to Colorado State. Another guard, Sione Fenu, is off to Purdue. Like, their best players have kind of been picked through from, from Power 5 teams and G5 teams. Um, and so there's not really a whole lot to be excited about here. I, I think the defensive tackles aren't awful, so that <laughs> that could be okay. But um, mm-hmm. my, my guess is that this is one of those where you're just looking to see which young players can step up and maybe do something. I, they, they're not going to be at the 85-man scholarship limit by any means, and, and I think this is more just a, you know, what young guys do we have that we can build on moving forward? Because the, the number of starters coming back is, is pitiful. Um, they have, like, two defensive starters back, and or, like, three defensive starters back. Two of them are at tackle, and one of them is Pierce Withers, who is a nickelback. Um, so it's like I, I think they're just going to be looking for signs of life in the form of individual breakout performances. I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot more than that. It, it is kind of funny to, like, stay below the 85 scholarship limit in a situation where you're one of the worst teams in the FBS, and yeah. there's, like, 3,000 guys looking for a scholarship in the portal whatever the natural number is, but yeah. uh, you got to respect it. You got to respect society. No, we don't need a full roster, really. Uh, well, the, the issue is playing that, they're they're cost cutting in college football. The, the issue <laughs> is that what it's, it's the maximum you can take. If you lose, uh, you can get, it's like half of the number of your transfers up to 15. So you can, you can bring in a class of at most 33 in a year. So I, I think that that's sort of what they're bumping up against. Um, but uh, like I don't think they had a full 33 yet. They they might have. They might be getting closer with the portal. But um, it's there has to be exceptions. But there's no way they just let you play with. I mean, like you can just come on, like I, just just I, break the rules. Yeah, just break simply break the rules. Simply start. I mean, it's it's they need Butch Davis back to to get guys on you know track scholarships and shit like that. Like he would do. It yeah. Miami. What are we doing? Yeah. But that is um that's the fear here is that you can only bring in so many guys in a class. And so this is going to be kind of a multi-year thing where they're just trying to get enough players on the team. Um, you know, maybe somebody like Rivaldo Fairweather at tight end could be good. It's, it's sort of troubling when one of your, I, I would say that your second best pass catcher behind Tyrese Chambers is a tight end who had 16 catches last season. Um, yeah, he did have 247 yards was just seven games, but also that's still not necessarily what you want to see kind of a, a 2011 like jake stoneburner type season where you know it's well 16 16 receptions and 12 of them are touchdowns and that's pretty much all he does um it's uh it's just, i think like oh, sorry go ahead. there's just not a whole lot to be excited about here i think if you're the head coach fiu like obviously your first hire is a strength coach as every coach should be yeah your second hire has to be the guy who's like your rule breaking coordinator okay he's yeah. he's figuring out like what rules you can break like what what are worth breaking like what you want to actually get punished for yeah that has to be your second hire because like what else are you doing you're in south florida you're not better than anybody else like you just gotta cheat harder yeah you're investing in like an ace compliance guy but an ace compliance guy who has turned <laughs> bad right he's he, he's using yeah. his knowledge for it's like uh you know like casinos hiring. you get you get comp on him and you flip him yeah yeah this is you uh you turn him (laughs) this is like it's like in casino how they have the guys up in the rafters watching to see if people are cheating because they were guys who were cheating that's what if yeah no exactly yeah yeah yeah. you need a covert (laughs) informant to be running your your compliance program (laughs) oh dude yeah that totally that's 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 what we should be hoping for here is that mike mcintyre is willing to cheat and hire someone who can who can help him crack the code 
I would love that job, by the way. We just have to get arrested yeah, that'd be, first. That'd be great. <laughs> which which one? The guy who's watching for cheating in a casino or the guy who's running compliance for FIU? Uh, yeah, I think both would be cool. Okay. I could have both at the same time. Yeah, I did, yeah I par- I'm, I'm a part-time guy who cheats at casino. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a fractional CTO, except for like cheating at casinos, basically, uh-huh. or something. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work at like four different casinos at once. They just have me like blasted in front of like the panopticon that, that has looks at all cameras at all times. And yeah. I'm, I'm taking them in like a Professor X. It's it's easy for me, but I, it's probably hard for other people. My job is to do those <laughs> those videos that GQ does, where it's like talking to an expert about this movie scene. That's my entire job. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I make those videos. Oh, oh man. Like, okay, I'm... so 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 FIU. <laughs> That's uh. <laughs> do we have anything else on FIU? Anything else you want to hit on there? Um, not not really. Um, I, I I'm kind of interested to see what happens at quarterback because I think it could be sort of interesting i don't mind um i don't mind hayden carlson i guess he was a top 100 or top thousand guy or so as a recruit um gunner holmberg is here from duke who you might remember as being not very good at duke and is that uh, mike holmberg's kid mike holmberg's kid or something presume, or? yeah you gotta you gotta assume that did, you know they got the same last name um and then uh, offensive coordinator is David Yost, who you might remember as being the long-haired guy at Utah State and then Texas Tech. He's not a very good offensive coordinator, but he is here, um, and that's you know that's the first <laughs> that's the first step in winning the battle. He did have a uh, he had kind of a fun quote a couple weeks ago as I was writing this preview. Uh, he was asked about sort of the quarterback battle in general. They have like four or five guys competing for it. And he said something that I don't usually see coaches say. He said that he doesn't need 200 reps to figure out who the best guy is. And he says, after two or three, Let's spring, go. After two or three <laughs> spring practices, we will decide who we're focusing on. You can't get five quarterbacks yeah. ready for the season. That's not possible. Like, he's not wrong. but I actually don't disagree with him at all. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to the media and saying, like, look, I know ball. These other coaches don't know ball, but I do know ball. That's really cool, honestly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, like, I remember seeing that quote and thinking, like, oh, that's, I mean... <laughs> Listen, he's not he's not wrong, but you don't usually see guys that open about it in spring ball. He wants fewer players on the roster. It's time to get the rest yeah. of the quarterbacks to transfer after. Let's two cut the practices. wheat from the chaff here. I don't I don't need to mess yeah. around. Yeah, we all know. He's talking to his quarterbacks in the room. Like, guys, we all know who the starter's gonna be here. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the scene from uh from waiting or whatever, and he's like, You suck, you suck, <laughs> fuck you, you're cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's uh there's your there's your FIU preview for this season is that it's just various movies from the 90s that we're enjoying that's that's what they've yeah. got going on out here um yeah I, I i don't think that quarterback is going to be especially inspiring even with tyrese chambers um sean peterson might be kind of good at running back he's huge he was hurt last year but um he is he's you love pretty, huge running back i do like a really big running back i don't know why master teague didn't transfer to a school like this he'd be great here right like a like a just a big guy who's not very good but is big that's a great fit for like fiu um tackles like i said might be decent um that's that's a tough sell on a defense is to say that your tackles might be pretty good uh there are no linebackers Mm -hmm. it was legitimately difficult to find four linebackers to play in the three four when i was doing this preview um and all the cornerbacks are gone so i I don't i wouldn't be especially (laughs) optimistic about what they have going on this year they're just you know look for individual performances look for somebody like tyrese chambers to go nuts and, and hope that you know some of the guys who are contributing big individual performances are not redshirt seniors like uh, Tyrese Chambers is. And maybe go hire Frank Ponce from uh, Appalachian State, who went to FIU, by all means, seems like he wanted the job, um, is a, an up-and-coming offensive coordinator, and isn't Mike McIntyre. Just go go do that. There's still time. You can still go hire Frank Ponce. You can, you can change this up at any point. Um, 
I think it would work better than what they're what they're currently planning on doing. Well, yeah. All right, I agree. Um, so <laughs> let's get into tier four. Uh, we have our leading off, Patrick. It's yeah. one of the top greens in the world. Uh, rice. <laughs> so green. We We're all off with rice. We all know and love <laughs> this grain. <laughs> now it's not one of the most ancient grains. There's obviously a little more ancient grains out there. You can get your yeah. quinoa, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, even more like fibrous grain, like an oat. I think that's probably mm-hmm. a grain. Um, Sounds right. Yeah. You have your non-traditional, your your wild races, which are not technically grains, but still share the same name. You know, I wonder if that try, fires them up. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about Rice. What's up with Mike Bloomgren? Is he just here forever? I, I think that his time here at Rice might be coming up pretty soon. This is his now fifth season that he's entering. Um, he is, he, he does what I, I, coined it i'm sure i'm not the first one to make this realization but I, I i coined it the phoenix approach um which happens at a lot of these smart schools right like like rice like duke northwestern stanford vanderbilt um where they will they they do a slow build uh and for several years they'll be really bad while they try to find a core of young guys who they can build around and then once they find that they for the next three or four years recruit to complement those players rather than recruiting stars um, and then once every four years or so, they have a really, really good team because they've built around those guys. So you'll see a lot of like three and nine, three and nine. They find some guys five and seven, seven and six, seven and six, ten and two out of these schools. And that's mm-hmm. that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to do the the Phoenix approach where they just they'll they'll explode with these great teams once every four or five years, and then they die, and then they have to find new teams. They have to find new players because they weren't recruiting stars. Like you're seeing Northwestern experience this now. Um, and uh, it's I, I don't think it's a bad approach at these schools because they're just not going to be able to recruit stars consistently. And, and if you just if you're going for that, you're just going to miss every year and you're not going to have any good players who fit together. You're just you're going to have a bunch of weird guys. Um, but the issue is that it's been four years and he still hasn't really found any kind of young core to build around. He, he came to Rice as the court. He was the offensive coordinator at Stanford and he has yet to find a quarterback. Um, he was like a quarterback guy at Stanford. Um, the, the rushing attack hasn't been especially good. The, uh, they have decent receivers this year. They have like kind of weirdly good receivers coming into this season, but everything else here is just not especially impressive. You know, like quarterback has been their primary issue, but they, they took a major step back on defense in 2021. I, I think that this is a year where he, I think Bloomgren probably needs a bowl, um, this season. If not a bowl, he needs like five wins and some really encouraging young players to step up just as as if nothing else proof of concept at this point you really shouldn't be going into year five and you know have us on a podcast saying that you need to find proof of concept like that's you got to kind of prove your concept here at some point and i i don't know if he's going to because i don't know if he's going to find a quarterback uh in his i think he's due for that classic six year turnaround we all love in our coaches yeah yeah the, fam- uh, the jim harbaugh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the famous oh he figured it out uh it's it's only been you know four years before this and now he's he's now that he's got a full recruiting cycle through he has found some guys in his fifth recruiting cycle i guess like i get that if you kind of have that thought at like like, uh, I don't know, like a mid-major football school like this, whatever, where it's just like a program that barely cares if you have like 20 fans that are avidly watching. Sure. But it is really embarrassing when fans of like a <laughs> Power 5 program do that to themselves. Like the one time it works out every 20 years, it's just not worth the uh, the embarrassment. Yeah, for some of these programs, like I think that the investment is at least relative to a P5 kind of similar, right? Like uh, Northwestern's not a great example because they just built a new facility, but Vanderbilt is is for was for a really long time not investing in its football program. Same thing at Northwestern, same thing at Stanford and Duke. Like there's just not a ton of institutional investment in these spots. 
Um, and so I, I think that it's maybe not the greatest approach in the world just because it does require so much losing. Um, it's sort of like the football version of tanking. It's as, as, as close as you're going to get to it uh, without being like Dana Holkerson, which I, I think was a, an ill-advised decision that he made at Houston. Um, but it is sort of, I get where they're coming from just because of that whole, you know, you're just, your recruiting classes every year are not going to hold up to the point where you can compete seriously for, for much of anything. Um, best case scenario, if you don't do this at a place like Northwestern is that you go five and seven every year. And I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's significantly better than, than what they're, what they're currently doing. And I, I think with Rice, the idea, the, the idea, the, the theology, the philosophy behind this hire makes sense. It's just that. Uh, he's not doing a good job of it. Like he's, he's. <laughs> I, I think that they're probably going to turn around and hire pretty much the exact same guy, just hoping that he can do it better than than Bloomgren has, because he just hasn't done a good job of it yet. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I mean, like, there there is appeal to this school, right? Like, there is a path yeah. to recruiting. Yeah, I mean, they're they're, like... they're in Houston, right? Like, they're they're not. It's they're they're headed to the. And AC. It's an excellent academic yeah, school. It's yeah. one of the best academic schools in the country. Yeah, yeah headed... it's a top twenty five university. Yeah, yeah, private university in Houston. They're headed to the ACC, like not this year, but I think next year. Um, you're going to be the Houston school in the AAC because Houston is leaving. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a bad job. I, I don't really, I think that it's, what if rice, what if rice branded themselves? And here's just, a th- I'm just pitching this theory uh-huh. as like the anti-woke football team. <laughs> like they were just trying to like recruit all of the guys who are like live in Texas yeah. and like, you know, their dad, like listens to Rogan or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, just if, I'm just throwing just it out there. I don't know. It's a private school, you yeah. said. <laughs> they did have. I mean, you know, it's it's working really well for Liberty. So I guess you could, <laughs> I guess you could look into that sort of. Yeah, thing. you have to lean into it more, though. You have to be even okay. more like stern than Liberty. You're not I don't doing. Know how you yeah, do you're it, not but... doing it in a, in a religious way. You're doing it in just like an annoying Reddit libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have I have great news for you. Then it seems like they maybe beat you to it because they did announce on Twitter two hours ago that they're pleased to announce entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, and former U.S. presidential candidate andrew yang to speak to speak at the next rice university president's lecture series so Turn uh, if, you Turn guys, if you guys want to check that out on march 28th you can you can listen to andrew yang um yeah let's go <laughs> so it sounds like they're on board they're ready to they're ready to do this um yeah i, I think that that as it heads into the aac it's really not a bad job there's not enough football investment and that's the biggest issue is that they're just not the recruiting budget, I don't imagine, is especially impressive, and I, it doesn't seem like they have great facilities, and there's not really a history of success. But I, I could see it kind of taking a jump just as a program because it moves into a better conference, because it is in the area that it's in, and you know, Houston is not going to be recruiting the kind of guys that it was in the AAC anymore. It's going to be recruiting Big 12 caliber players, and there, there is room to maybe step in there if you're Rice. I, I would fear. You know, obviously they're not in the, anywhere near the same place, but somebody like UTSA stepping in and, and taking over Houston at this level just because of how good that staff is at recruiting Texas at large. Um, but if, if Rice either finds its way with Bloomgren or much more likely hires a different coach after this season, I could totally see it making a jump as it moves into the AAC just on you know recruiting location, on conference prestige. I, I think that that's totally possible. So uh, give me the rundown here of just like uh, give me give me the high level points on offense defense here. What to expect from the actual team itself outside of the program picture? Yeah. So the thing that I'm worried about here is that there's there's some pieces on this offense that I 
I do like. I think that there are some players on this team that are pretty good, um, and and some some guys who I'm pretty excited about. Cedric Patterson at wide receiver was really good as a number two wideout last year. Um, he's moving into the top spot after August Petre or transferred to Ohio. Uh, Jake Bailey is an awesome slot receiver. They have a okay running game. I think that the the offensive line does bring back four guys with starting experience, which is not the end of the world. Um, leading rusher Ari Broussard is back. There are things to like on this offense. The issue is that I think they're leading. How about this really quick, really quick, sorry to drop in here, but how about Rice running back Ari Wasserman? Mm. Well, that's something to think about. I think he, I mean, he's in the, uh, he's in Texas. It's not that far away. He can, I think he can pull okay. it off. Um, Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing that I'm worried about on offense, oh, that's great, right? I, that's, that's all fine. I think that it, 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 the rest of the offense sets up pretty nicely to take a step forward. Um, their projected starter at quarterback is Wiley Green. I'm going to say uh, pretty confidently he is the worst potential quarterback on the team. If there is a single quarterback elsewhere that they could pick on the roster, they would be better for it because this guy is just, he's just miserable. Um, I have a, I have a couple quick hitters here. He started three games as a true freshman in 2018, seven in 2019 and two in 2021. He has completed more than 60% of his passes in three of those games, surpassed 200 yards, three times. There's only one game of overlap between those two. He has one more touchdown than he does interception in his career. (laughs) Um, he has had, I'd say, I think generously one good game, uh, as a college football player. And he's the projected starter at quarterback. I, I, I don't really understand why that is, because I think Giovanni Johnson's a much better player. He's a better runner. Um, he beat Marshall last year, or, or um, in, in 2020, rather, when they were number 15 in the country. Like I, I think he's probably the best option. He's a capable runner, like I said. You could work him into an option-ish you know, running game with the, with the halfbacks that are here. I don't know why he's not the projected starter, but I'm guessing that Wiley Green is the guy, and that's that's sort of the issue with the offense is that their quarterback sucks super bad. And it's very obvious that he is not any good. Um, defensively, it's strange because the 2020 team was really, really good on defense. And I, I wrote in, in their 2021 preview that, you know, it just about everything was back and they should be really good again. Uh, they lost one guy, one really good player in Blaze Aldridge, uh, the, the linebacker and completely collapsed. It just completely fell apart. Defense was horrible. Um, they look like they should be good again this year, right? They, they have the same look coming into this season as they did coming into 2021. They have eight starters back. Um, they have, I think, good ends. Trey Schumann is good on, on a, a defensive end. They have uh, Kenneth Orgy at, at, at rush outside linebacker is good. Josh Piercy is good. Uh, Kirk Lockhart looks pretty good as more of a box safety. Like, I, I, I like a lot of the, t- the players on this team. They're going to have to find some new guys at the inside linebacker spots, but they should be good on defense. They, you know, they should have been good last year. And I, I think trying to figure out why they fell apart is going to be a big question that they need to answer. I don't have a great answer for it other than just the linebackers weren't very good after Aldridge left, but it, it really is sort of, you know, it's, it's one of those where improvement shouldn't be impossible here. It should actually be pretty likely given the you know, what they have at like 20 of the 22 starting positions. It's just that they don't have a quarterback and they don't have any linebackers. And it seems like not having that has doomed them for the entire Mike Bloomkin era. And so I don't really know why I would expect anything differently. It, it's sort of a, you know, yeah, if they stop doing the thing that they've done for four years, they'll be really good. But it's, it's a lot to ask of a team that has done the same thing for four years now. So I, I think it's probably another four and eight, three and nine-ish season. 
So is there any chance that uh, Bloomgren survives the season? And if so, what would it take to have that happen? I, I think it's probably a bowl game. Like I said, I, I think that five and seven is is pushing it. Maybe if one of those five wins is really impressive, like they beat a UTSA or something, that seems unlikely. But if they get to a bowl game, I think he's probably sticking around. This is not a program that's going to fire you for, for going to a bowl game very often. They held on to David Bailiff forever um, before they hired Bloomgren. And I think for decent reason, they were pretty good in, in a couple of seasons when he was there. This is a hard job, and I think they, they understand that it's a hard job, and I think that they will have patience. But I don't think you can be bad for five straight seasons and, and expect that sort of patience. I would guess that this is his last year unless it's a bowl game or real, real close to it. Um, you know, one where maybe they start slow, but then they get to five wins with like a three and one in their last four games. They have some reason for optimism. Um, but that, I, I think that that's about the worst he could do is, is five and seven, but encouraging down the stretch. Got it. So, uh, any final notes here in rice before we move on to our second team in, uh, in tier four? No, I don't think so. Cool. So we've got, uh, law tech is our, is our second team here in tier four, third team overall, the conference. Um, I guess just in general here, I, I think this seems to be looking like it's going to be an air raid concept program yep. now. Yep. Um, specifically with the air raid in general, Sonny Cumbie there specifically, like how do you feel about LaTeX? Um, okay, so this is sort of, it's honestly, it's kind of like the opposite of Rice, but the same idea where I think the concept is fine. I don't know if I love the coach who's they've, who they've hired to execute it um, because I think that running the air raid in this league does make some sense. There's not really anybody else doing it right now. Um, UTSA is certainly not doing it. UTEP isn't doing it. North Texas has sort of gone away from it in recent, uh, not even years, months. Uh, they kind of realized that they didn't want to do that anymore. And so there's a space to do that. I think it makes sense at Louisiana Tech. It's a school that has a strong history of pulling in transfers, pulling in JUCO guys, has sort of a, a I mean, a, certainly a rich area to recruit from uh, in terms of, you know, uh, skill position talent. And also there are, there are passing heavy quarterbacks in that area who just don't get recruited by the P5 level for whatever reason. For a long time, it was because teams like LSU didn't really throw the ball a whole lot. Now it's just, you know, those guys are those schools are recruiting out of state a lot so there there is there's talent that makes sense for this system i think that it does make sense for louisiana tech my issue here is i think sonny cumbie sucks really bad i think he's a really shitty football coach um he's gotten passed around the big 12 for like a decade now and he's never been good at any of the spots i think if you're gonna thought yeah i think if you're gonna hire a guy to be your um you know to be your your air raid coach Anybody else would have been would have been better than this. Really, pretty much anybody else. Like, go get, you know, go hire the defensive coordinator that's with Mike Leach right now. What's that guy's name? The um, the Mississippi State defensive coordinator who everybody wants really bad. Oh, is, is it Zach Arnett? Yeah, yeah. Go hire him. I'm sure he'd like a head coaching Damn. job. He'd, it's you know. Let's let's say this: if you can't pull the former Mississippi or sorry, the current Mississippi State defensive coordinator off the top of your head with no prep, uh-huh. you you don't know ball. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think he's this, I don't think this guy, this next name is a great defensive coach, but like Alex Grinch has worked around a lot of air raid offensive coordinators. He probably knows some. Um, there are guys who are better head coaches than they are coordinators. I think he'd take a head coaching job. And so it's, 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 I like the concept. I don't like the hire. Cumbie wasn't good at Texas Tech last season. He was sort of a last ditch hire from, uh, from Matt Wells to hopefully save his job and he didn't do it. Um, he wasn't good at TCU when he was there. He's not really been good in quite some time. 
his shit's kind of played out. It seems like he doesn't really have any new ideas and hasn't really adjusted his offense in quite some time. So it's, you know, other than that, though, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's yeah, a, yeah, besides that, yeah, it's besides great, that, I like the air raid as a concept here. I don't like Sonny Cumbie doing it. I don't think that he's especially so, good at, at coaching offense. So let's get past the concept, get like on the, on the personnel front, like, does he have a QB to do this? And, and I mean, like, what, what can we expect out of the offense as a whole? And, and, and again, and just overall too, like how good do they have to be for this team to be competitive? Yeah, so quarterback is really interesting here because Austin Kendall is gone. He is the, the Oklahoma transfer. He was good last year. He was he was capable. He was fine. Um, and then their primary backups both transferred. Aaron Allen is gone and J.D. Head is gone. So we're, we're sort of looking at a remade quarterback room here. I My guess is that Matthew Downing, who's a transfer from TCU, could be the guy. Um Cumbie recruited him to TCU, and he's he's he certainly fits the offense. Luke Anthony is kind of a wild card because he was, you might remember, really good in 2020, and then he died. Mm-hmm. He fractured his tibia and fibula at the same time at the end of the 2020 season, and that's uh, gonna gonna knock you out for a while. Personally, if that happened to me, I probably wouldn't play football anymore. But it seems like he's still giving it a go, so he's he, we're gonna factor him in until he proves otherwise. Um, my guess is that Downing is going to be the quarterback. I, I, I think he's fine. I, I think that I would compare him roughly to the, the CUSA version of like Jared Dagey at West Virginia, right? You know, mm. 60, 64% completion. Yeah, 64% completion percentage, 3000 yards ish, um, 28 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, that kind of guy. Um, people are going to come back to this in November and I will have hit it perfectly. And they're going to think I'm the rain man. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we have a lot of dedicated guys. We're going to come back to our, our, uh, mm-hmm. early March, uh, Cusa preview to if, go ahead and listen to this time next year. If anybody's, uh, listenership would do it, it's ours. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. That's, uh, I mean, it's, this is the only podcast that has co-hosts who already do that. They go back and listen to very old podcasts. Um, Unfortunately, we have lost several hundred members of our listenership in a bunker in Ukraine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, we're hoping we're, we're all trying to find <laughs> the new. We're all trying to felt. We're all trying to find the newspaper that supported them in doing that. It, it could be any one of them, right? Um, <laughs> There's no way to know. There's no way to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I, I, I think that that's that's my expectation at at quarterback. Whether that will be enough to make the offense good, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think I would say that confidently. I do like a lot of the other parts of this offense. I, I like Greg Garner at running back. He was pretty good as the number two guy last year. Um, receiver room is awesome. Receiver room here is legitimately very good. And it, it's uh, it's Smoke Harris, who is, I want to say Smoke Harris is the one who's like five foot six and only catches screens. Um, he's, uh, yeah, yeah. Smoke is, is, is the one who's, he is five foot six. He only catches screens. He doesn't do anything else. Um, He's like five cool foot. Guy. He's. You should actually look. I want you to as we as we record this. I want you to look up a picture of Smoke Harris, because he's five foot six and like two hundred and twenty pounds. So he kind of looks like a little baby man, and he's just. It's very fun to watch him move. I I, I enjoy I enjoy his uh his whole thing. Um, Trey Harris is also. Oh yeah, as well. he also. It's very the the first picture of him on. Uh... I don't know if it's just a bad angle or what, but he has a little belly on him. Yeah, he's, too. Got, he's got a little uh, bit of a belly, which we really love for a slot receiver. Like that. <laughs> he kind of looks like a big baby. Yeah, dude. He looks yeah, like, he looks like a big baby man. If you made a if you made a baby really fast, yeah, it's kind of like what you'd expect to uh, 
What do you expect to see out of this guy's football player? Yeah, it's, no, he like it's not just that angle; it's every picture. He just has a little bit of a tummy. He's it's a uh, it, it's a very fun brand of of wide receiver, um, but he's very low to the ground and he's very hard to tackle. Um, That's and then, awesome. And then also Devonte Lee is here from LSU, former four star from from LSU. He was recruited by TCU, which I only know because I was covering TCU recruiting at the time, and I remember it. Um, I think he was the guy who was he was he was going to commit during an All Star game. And then there was like some NFL news that happened and the NFL network, which was broadcasting it, uh, cut him off as he was trying to announce and, and went to this news and he didn't get to. And then in the week that followed, LSU flipped him from TCU. <laughs> so the, uh, the NFL network stole a commitment from TCU and he ended up at LSU. Um, but uh, I think the receivers are going to be really good. Offensive line is uh, okay. I think it has four pretty obvious starters. So the offense is, is I think, set to do pretty well. I think it has players that fit the air raid, fit the system. It's just going to be quarterback. It's going to be Matthew Downing. It's going to be Luke Anthony. Can one of those guys figure it out enough to survive within the system in, in year one? I'm not confident in saying yes, but I think if I, I think if Downing is okay, the offense will be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So any final thoughts here, I guess, on this team before we get into the uh, next tier? Yeah, the defense is going to be fucking awful. If you want to watch uh, games combined for like 90 points, you should watch Louisiana Tech this season because they've got a new coordinator and no new st- and no returning starters. They That's it. Like it's it's They have a new coordinator. They have some defensive ends. Everything else is gone. <laughs> and so it's, it's going to be a lot of like 35 to, you know, 31 it's going to be a lot of probably 56 to 42 losses i think they're going to be fun to watch i just don't i don't think they're going to win a whole lot of games because of that but offense should be should be fine in year one defense is going to be a a train wreck love that love that yeah um cool so it's your three uh we have charlotte uh now patrick you were the internet's number one will healy fan uh-huh. uh wh- what's his deal here why is he not broken through uh wh- what's going on so that's sort of the question about this about this program right now is why, that's why is, i'm asking yeah, yeah why has will healy not broken <laughs> through and i don't know if i have a great answer um it it's kind what of, are we doing here though yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird it seems like they should have by now and they they, they just haven't um they've not had great close game luck but also they just haven't taken a step forward their offense is kind of weirdly not very well designed um it's it's felt to me like he's not pulled all of his tricks out of the bag that he has and that's troubling because he sort of needs to do it here at some point and he hasn't done it yet he's got a fifth year starter at quarterback and chris reynolds so if there's ever a time to to bring out the wrinkles in your offense this is probably the time for it because he needs to win some games and he has the most experienced quarterback he could possibly ever have you will there's no way to have a more experienced quarterback than the guy who's coming into his fifth season as a starter. And I'm worried about that. I'm worried that he hasn't really broken out a whole lot of the offense. It makes me think that maybe he doesn't have a whole lot else in the offense. But on paper, this hire made a lot of sense. On paper, it still looks like they should be really good. He wanted Austin P, which is insane to do. He, I mean, they had lost 27 straight when he showed up, and then he went 8-4. and four. Um, like he pulled in the best recruiting class in the FCS somehow at a team that was one in 45 in its last 46 games prior, but uh, it's, they just haven't won yet. They haven't won consistently enough. They should have gone to a bowl last year and they blew it late. And so I don't, I don't know why that is. I, I think that Reynolds is limited as a quarterback and that they're bumping up against that a little bit. But I also think that Healy has not really let loose fully yet. And I, I think that he's maybe, 
uh, as he made the jump from Austin P up to Charlotte, he thought that he needed to tamp down some of the stuff that he was doing for a, for a higher level. And while that instinct is not necessarily bad inherently, I think that in this case it is bad. I think that his creativity is what made him good at Austin P and he's kind of gone away from that. And so that's, I think that's the issue is that he needs to just, he needs to be more comfortable with doing weird shit and, and letting go a little bit because it seems like he's trying too hard to be normal, to run a normal team. And, and that's not, just not his thing. I, he's he's going away from his strength, essentially. So uh, besides that, I, I guess the, another big question here besides Healy himself, the head coach, is what do we expect out of Chris Reynolds? What version of him are we getting this year? Yeah, so Chris Reynolds, there were two very distinct, almost three really distinct versions of Chris Reynolds last season. When he was good, they won. When he wasn't good, they lost. And that's you know obvious with a quarterback, but... Um, when he when when he was at his best, he had I, I want to say three really good games last season. Let me let me let me get the exact stats here. Yeah, he had five games with a quarterback rating under 130, which is very bad. Uh, Charlotte lost four of them. Um, he had four games with a quarterback rating of at least 180, which is very good. Um, Charlotte won. I want to say yeah, all four of those games. So it's. Like, when he was good, this team was really, really strong. They were really good. The offense was cooking. When he could get the ball down the field, they have great receivers. Um, when he wasn't good, when he forces the ball, when he struggles to read a defense, and this happened a lot against better defenses, which is troubling, uh, the offense just stagnates. They don't They don't have the... They don't really have the, the ability to make up for a bad quarterback performance. And they don't really have the creativity to scheme wide receivers open against more advanced and, and more talented defenses. And so the the question I think is is both does Reynolds have any more improving improving to do? My assumption there is probably not because he's started four years before this, and usually unless they're Kenny Pickett, guys just don't get better in their fifth season as a starting quarterback, right? Like that's just shout out to Kenny Pickett. Yeah, shout out to Kenny Pickett, but like just doesn't happen very often. Usually they are who you think they are. Um, and so I think the question is in the offense. It is in. Healy being willing to do some new things to scheme guys open a little bit more because I really, really like Grant DuBose, Elijah Spencer, and Victor Tucker outside. Those guys are awesome at, at wide receiver. DuBose is a, a really great story and ended up being really, really good last year. Um, Tucker's kind of the, the deep play threat of the group, but they, they all three of them work really well. They finally found some running backs last season. Offense should be really good. It's just that they weren't able to overcome bad quarterback performances last year, and pretty much every time they played a good defense, they got a bad quarterback performance. And I, I think that that's going to be the thing: is not so much expecting Reynolds to take a big, a big step forward, and more working the offense more around a limited quarterback. I, I don't think that they've done a, a good enough job of that yet. I don't think it's impossible to do, but I, I I need to see more of it from them this season to feel confident that they can beat good teams because they really have not yet in the Healy era. That's been their their issue is that they can beat the teams that they're supposed to beat and they just lose to everybody else. They lose to all the good teams on their schedule. If a team has an above 500 record, they're probably going to beat Charlotte and that just can't, you can't do that this year. They need to go to a bowl game. They need to start winning big games. So I guess the question then is like, what do you view as the biggest strength of this team on the whole? I think it's the receivers. I really like that receiver core. I, I think that they're, I think they're absolutely good enough to win you games. I don't know why they weren't, you know, why they're not more of a focal point of the offense. Why they are not trusted to, to make plays on on more advanced. Like they're doing a ton of RPOs and shit. And I, I think that's sort of, that's my issue with a lot of offenses. But 
Let these guys do a little bit more. Let Victor Tucker run down the field. Let Grant DuBose run down the field. You know, these guys are capable of winning those kind of battles, and Charlotte just isn't asking them to do it very often. I think that the wide receivers are the strength here. I just, I need to, I want to see them get the ball more. I want to see them have more opportunities to prove that. Defense probably isn't going to be very good. They did hire somebody new at coordinator, so there could be some slight improvement there. It was bad last year, too. Um, but I, I think the strength is the, the receivers and it's, it's their ability to make things happen down the field. And, and just, I'd like to see them trusted more to do that. I, I think they certainly could be there. This is about as experienced a pass, pass catching core as you're going to get to. So if, if it's ever going to happen for Healy to, to let the offense loose a little bit, it's going to be this season. Um, so I, I think the receivers are your, are your guys here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, how, how do you view them stacking up for like the rest of, I mean, I guess even like the G5 at large, are these, is this one of the best units in the country? One of the best units in the conference is like, it's really good. Context? It's, it's really, really good within the conference. Um, UTSA has some really good receivers, even with, um, I guess they don't actually have anybody leaving because Zakari Franklin's back. Um, it's, it's probably, I, I would compare it to like, not in top end talent because you don't have a Jareth Stearns, but I think it could be about what like Western Kentucky's was on the whole last season where you've got a Mitchell Tinsley, you've got a Daywood Davis, you've got a Jareth Stearns. I think that on the composite, it's about that good. Uh, So maybe second in the conference, which is, you know, UTSA's receivers are really fucking good. You're probably top five in the G5. It's a really, really good group. This is a very strong group of receivers. And then uh, beyond that, kind of moving on to our next teams here, uh, I think we have Middle Tennessee next up in Tier 3. Um, what's up with you and, uh, and Rick Stock still? Tell me about what's what's up with this uh, this beef here. Uh, lots of people know about this. Yeah, I have to uh, – I had to in – my, in my preview, I had to issue an apology of sorts to Rick Stock still um, because last year I, I wrote – in the preview for Middle Tennessee State, that there was not really, I didn't see anything to be excited about with this program. It seemed like it was just a dead program and that, that it was time to move on on both sides. Um, Stockstill's getting up there. He's hired a lot of his children to be assistants, and you know his son was his quarterback for five years. Um, uh, and I, I basically said that I, you know, I thought they were done. I thought I was writing them off. And then they went and made a bowl game. They were <laughs> seven and six, and they had like four or five different starting quarterbacks because of injuries and the offense was still good. And the, the defense was really, really strong because of their secondary. And I, I, I that's my, uh, that's my stock still piece is that I was, uh, I think I counted him out a little bit too soon. He's still really good at going seven and five and, and, you know, getting to a bowl game. He's been, he's been doing it for his entire career. And I, I think he's going to keep doing it. And, and I mean, like, do you view, do you view him running this offense? Uh, I mean, going forward, like, like what, what do you expect out of this guy? Like uh, in this next season? So I, I think that my expectation is that the offense is still going to be pretty good. It wasn't like amazing last year. They were kind of just decent on both sides of the ball. And that's enough in this league to go six and six and, and make a bowl game. Um, I'm a little curious about what the offense looks like with Brent Deerman leaving. He's headed to, Oh shoot. Um, I think he's, I think he said it to FAU, if memory serves. I, I could be wrong about that. Um, that sounds right. But he, he is he is gone, and he did a lot of sort of piecing things together with this offense. So I'm interested to see how they replace that. But I like a lot of the pieces here. Chase Cunningham was the best quarterback on the team last season, and he is returning. Um, I, I think that if he can keep him healthy, he's very good. They have a, a, a pretty decent 
receiver room too, even with um, Jaron Pierce and CJ Windham gone. Uh, Yusuf Ali is back and he's good. Uh, Isaiah Gaythings is pretty good. Jalen Lane is back uh, in the slot. There's there's things to like in this passing game. It's it's I think the offense is going to be fine. They're not going to be able to run the ball even a little bit, but they couldn't do that last season either. And I, I like Chase Cunningham a lot. I, I expect that Stockstill is a good enough offensive mind and a good enough quarterback coach that even if the new offensive coordinator is not especially impressive, it's not going to be a huge deal. I think that the offense is still going to be somewhere in the upper, you know, uh, above average upper half of the CUSA, which is enough when you also have an above average upper half of the CUSA defense, which I, I think is probably going to be the case here as well. Cool. Um, I, I guess, like, I mean, they, they do have some pretty significant losses at linebacker, though, I suppose. Yeah. Like, like, how yeah. do you view the rest of this team uh, making up for that, the rest, of the rest of the defense, rather? Yeah, so the thing that's interesting with this defense is they are losing a bunch of, of production at linebacker and at safety. Um, linebacker Juriente Davis is gone. He's actually going to Jackson State, which I think is kind of interesting. DQ Thomas is gone. Uh, Quincy Riley is gone. Among those guys, Thomas had 88 tackles. Davis had 71. Riley had 33. Uh, that's a lot of tackles to lose from your linebacker room. That's that's just a lot of production to be to be losing. And then at safety, Greg Great is gone, and Reed Blankenship, who was awesome last year. Reed, Reed Blankenship uh, kind of broke my my usual rule for safeties, which is that when a safety has 110 tackles, it's a bad sign for a defense. He was just that good. Like he. You know, free safety with 110 tackles is not usually what you want to see, but he was absolutely capable of handling it. Um, the thing that I'm optimistic about here is that they do have two linebackers in Raquan Hartley and Jonathan Butler, who I think can be pretty good. They, they have starting experience. I think that they're ready to step into starting roles. Um, Xavion Peterson is here from Louisville as well. He's a, a freak, freak athlete. And then something I, I don't I haven't seen a whole lot in doing these previews. Literally the entire two deep of the defensive line is returning. The Every single guy who contributed on the line last year is back for this season. Um, that includes, I, I would actually say most importantly, Jordan Ferguson at defensive end, who is fantastic. He's a uh, he's an all-CUSA kind of guy. He's been around forever. I can't believe he came back. I was expecting he was going to leave. And so... I think that the the thing to be optimistic about with this defense is that, yes, they're losing a lot of guys in the back six, in the back seven, whatever you want to, I, I think it's a back seven for them, and that's going to force a, a shift in what they're really good at. It's They're, they're going to have to adjust their strength, because last year they were pretty good at bend, don't break, but they weren't forcing a ton of havoc. I think that they're going to have to change strength and be more of a havoc team, but they have the defensive line to do it. That's that's what I'm excited about is to see what this defensive line can do, to see if they can on the fly adjust what they're really good at and, and form a new defensive identity around the talent that they have because traditionally that is what Stock still does really well is that he adjusts on the fly. He can, he can do new things and, and build new identities around the talent that is available to him. And I think that they can absolutely do that with this defense. I think the talent is there to, to pull it off basically. Then uh, I mean, like, I don't know, is this going to be a team that kind of like know their ceiling? I mean, I mean, I think we talked about this, right? I think kind of in that five to seven, seven to five yeah. range, is there a chance for variation outside of that? Or are they kind of just pegged in there? So I think that, that the variation in either direction is going to lean pretty heavily on Chase Cunningham, right? If, if he's not as good as he looked at quarterback, then they're probably going to fall below that because there's just not much of a rushing game to be excited about. Like they, they have, um, they have one running back 
returning, and he's not very good. Uh, they did bring in Joe Irvin from Kansas State, or yeah, from Kansas State, but he's like five foot eight. That's a lot to ask of a five foot eight guy to be your number one running back. But I think if Cunningham is not very good, they could fall below that. If he is really good, they could jump above that because the passing game could be really good and the offense could jump up not just upper echelon above average, but to very good range. And so I, I think that the the variance is going to lean entirely on him. Is is he as good as he looked at times, or is he someone who you know started five games and and was good in those five games, but you know he only started five games and we don't have a ton of a ton of background on him beyond that. Uh, I could see either one. I, I think that I think either one could happen. I think the most realistic option is that he's in the middle and that they go five and seven to you know six and six to seven and five somewhere in there. But um, I, I I think that there's a lot of outcomes available for this team depending on Cunningham, which is sort of the selling point. Is is you can watch Cunningham, you can see what they're going to do, you can know pretty quickly what they're going to be based on what he does in the the early stages of the season. Yeah, fair enough. Um, any further thoughts on Middle Tennessee before I move on to our last team in Tier 3? No, I don't think so. Cool. So we've got UTEP. <clears throat> Obviously, one of the hugest success stories. I, I, or Sorry, not rather. I mean, like, uh, I, I think they were a fairly large success story that kind of paled in comparison to an in-state team, sure. right, which is always difficult for them. Uh, they had a really good year, especially compared to expectations. And I think, obviously, UTSA took a lot of that shine. Yeah. But nonetheless, like, what Dana Dimmel did with that JUCO building plan, basically he's trying to do the, it should be Bill Snyder, right? It should be yeah. G5 Bill Snyder. Uh, how long can that work for? So that's, I'm, I'm worried about that because I think that's always the issue with JUCO programs, programs that build so heavily around those guys. If anybody can do it, it's him because he sent so much time around Snyder, but it's just a, it's a tough thing to depend on because you are so often bringing in your top contributors every single year you have new top contributors and if one class doesn't hit it all falls apart um it's just sort of the nature of of bringing in jucos and you have you know a little bit less information on those guys and there's generally speaking a reason they were at a junior college to begin with and there's not always positive reasons um you know you're getting a four-star talent but there's a reason that you're getting him if you're utep and and so there's there's always a concern with that it's i would say the most volatile way to build a program but i also don't think there's another option for utep i don't it's you know the way that they are recruited against on the on the high school trail is uh gonna be difficult to battle uh for any coach just it's a it's an uphill climb and the juco route for dana dimmel has worked as well as anything else has ever worked here at least in in recent history there's pretty much no other way to do it and he he did it last year and so i don't think it's going to work forever I, I just i don't think it's built to last that long and i don't think anybody else is bill snyder he's such a unique individual but i i think it can keep working for at least a couple more years they have a good roster they have probably their best roster they've had under him in terms of depth um, I think it's going to work again this year. I think they're going to head back to a bowl game. I just don't, I don't know how long-term, uh, you know, sustainable it is, but I, I think that if you're, if you're UTEP, you're fine with that. That's a trade that you'll take, you know, every time you, you, you can say, well, you're going to hire this coach. You'll have him for, for, you know, five to 10 years. He'll go to two or three bowl games. You'll have a couple really good years and then he's going to fall apart late. I think if you're UTEP, you're, you're thrilled with that given the, the program history. And I, I think Dimmel could, could totally have that sort of run. 
Yeah, and I, I guess beyond that, like beyond getting past the head coach here, just getting to personnel, um, Gavin Hardison, what can we expect from him this year at quarterback? Does he have room to keep growing? Man, I hope so, because he's so much fun. <laughs> I don't know how much you watched Gavin Hardison last year, but he's like... Uh, he's, I'm one of the hardos for yeah, sure. Yeah, you're hard for Hardison, but he is um, he is every bit the like he's every stereotype of a big armed, very large quarterback, right? He just decision making not necessarily very good. He kind of just puts his head down and runs into guys whenever he keeps the ball. Um, he's not at all accurate down the field. He can throw the ball 90 yards. Like he's he's just very fun to watch play football. Um, he is entirely out. It, it, when when the ball leaves his hand, it is completely out of his control, right? As it, as it is leaving his hand, he doesn't know where it's going. Um, I I like to think he could get better. I think that he certainly has the athletic frame, the athletic ability to add more talent to what he's doing, to add more accuracy, to be a better decision maker. Um, it's, you know, just a matter of doing it. And that's easier said than done. Uh, there's a reason that these guys often don't pan out, that a lot of schools don't recruit guys like that, that are just really big and can throw the ball really far, but don't really know how to do it. Um, but he, he looked better in 2021 than he did in 2020. And there's still plenty of room. It wasn't like he was great in 2021. He was fine. He, you know, 17 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, 3,200 yards completed a little over half of his passes. There's plenty of room still to grow. I think he can do it. I, I think that, you know, that he can do it and that he will do it are different things, certainly, but I, I think he can do it. I think he absolutely has the capacity for it. And I think that this is a good staff for, development so i'm i'm optimistic that he can that he can take another step forward he's never going to be a great player but i think he could absolutely be like a, a you know 60 percent completion percentage he can throw the ball a mile there's a super you know dangerous vertical threat within the offense because of him and he's not throwing 13 interceptions in a season I, that's that seems totally realistic closer to you know 30 touchdowns 10 interceptions would be fantastic for hardest and i don't think that that's too much to ask well, I guess that's the, that's kind of like what you hit on there that I want I was curious about is like outside of him in the passing game, this receiver like personnel grouping, do they do they basically have the talent to with the losses they've had to to be able to keep going up as a team as an offense? Yes, I'm I'm worried about that because Jacob Cohen is gone to uh, Arizona. He was easily the best receiver on the team last season, probably the best player on the team last season, and Justin Garrett has graduated and he was the second best receiver. Um, and so I'm worried about that. I I. Hardison, I don't know if he's the kind of quarterback who can bring along young receivers as as well as, you know, a more experienced, more stable quarterback would. But I if he can, then there's certainly talent that he can take advantage of. Tyron Smith is back. He was sort of the I don't know if the slot guy is, the, is fair to say, but he was the closest thing to a possession receiver that they had. He he still had almost 600 yards receiving. Um Ronaldo Flores is kind of an H back. He's returning. They have Trent Thompson back at tight end. They have they have talent. They don't have a ton of it, but they have some. And I think that if the if the quarterback play is good, he can bring those guys along and they'll be fine. Um, I'm that's the thing that I think is most worrying to me about this offense, though, is those those receiver losses because Jacob Cowling was so good and he he helped so much with what Harrison was doing and. It's a lot to ask for Tyron Smith to jump into that role fully. I just I don't I don't know if he's quite on that level. I could totally see the receivers not taking a huge step back though if Hardison does take a a, a leap forward in his in his accuracy and his decision making. Mm, okay, so uh, beyond that, any kind of other thoughts on the defensive side of the ball there, and kind of just overall thoughts on this team's outlook this year? Yeah, I think that the outlook is pretty similar defensively as to what it was last year. Um, 
their their pass rush should be good. I think it should be a lot better actually than it was last season because they bring back a lot of production at defensive end. They bring back a lot of production up front in general. Um, Josh Ortega and Blake Thompson are the only guys leaving, and they were both backups um, on the defensive line. They're gonna have to replace. They're gonna have to replace Breon Hayward potentially. He he might be getting a a uh, a waiver to come back for an extra season. If they bring him back, that would be huge because he had 103 tackles last season. If not, they're gonna have to find a new will linebacker, and there's not a great answer there. Um, but regardless, Tyrese Knight is back at linebacker. He's really good. He had 101 tackles last year, um, and the secondary is pretty much intact. They're gonna have to find some new guys that they can trust at cornerback, but they're not without experience there. Dennis Barnes is back at the nickel. Um, and uh, Tyson Wilson is back at, at free safety. He's good as is Tyreek James. They're going to have to replace a, a starter at strong safety in Devon Ring in Yang. But I think the secondary should be pretty good. I think the defense should be pretty good in general. It was it was sort of troublingly bend-don't-break last season, and against the best teams that they played, they, they broke a little bit too much, and I would expect kind of something similar here. I think that there's... Not a great chance for UTEP to upset a whole That's bunch the problem of teams. With those bend don't break. That's the problem with those bend don't break defenses, right? They kind of usually do just break a lot more than they, they count. Yeah, for. they bend a li- they they break a little bit too much uh, <laughs> against the best teams that they play. But I think that against lesser opponents, UTEP is is going to probably sweep. And there's a lot of lesser opponents in the CUSA, so I I think it's another seven and five. I think it's another bowl season. Um, I don't think that the ceiling or floor is a whole lot different than seven and five i don't know that there's a ton of variation unless hardison blows up or is awful but um i i that's great that's great for dana dimmel if you can go to back-to-back bowl games at utep that's fantastic like that i I don't know if we fully appreciate how hard some jobs are this is a really really hard job and and to go to -to back-to-back bowl games would be uh insane i don't know if anybody's ever done that at utep it's it's very hard to do Unfortunately, there's no way for us to look that up, but I do appreciate no. your overview of the program. <laughs> Getting into uh, the tier two, um, we're starting off with one of the probably the most confusing programs in all of college football to me. Uh, it's Florida Atlantic. Yeah, <clears throat> what are those boys in Boca Raton doing with Todd Orlando? Oh God, um, I mean nothing good. No one is ever doing anything good with Todd Orlando. That's a uh, you you don't you don't bring in Todd Orlando if the marriage is going well. Essentially, <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna we're gonna open up this coaching relationship and bring in Todd Orlando. That's not what you want to hear if you are the wife of uh, Willie Taggart. That's it's <laughs> no. troubling. Um, and so I'm uh, I'm not sure. I don't know what anybody is doing with Todd Orlando. I don't know. I certainly wouldn't encourage you to bring in Todd Orlando if you're a football program. He's a bad coach and presumably a bad guy just because, you know, if you're a bad coach, you that does make you a bad person. Um, right. So we, he, as we talked about previously, that is our stance. Being yeah. bad as a college football coach does make you a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we need to explain that any further. You all no, know I mean, duh. But, uh, and he's also losing a lot of production from the defense. So he's it's you hired a bad defensive coordinator and also your defense is going to have to replace like – uh, two starting cornerbacks and a starting nickelback and a starting middle linebacker and a starting wheel linebacker. And it's just a lot to replace, <laughs> you know, free safety who had almost a hundred tackles. I, so I'm, I'm, I'll say worried about that uh, just because Todd Orlando is not very good and he doesn't have a whole lot of proven talent. Um, I do like Taya young or Taja young, probably at, at strong safety. He's very, very good. I think that, the defensive line's going to be pretty good. Jalen Joyner is pretty good. Um, Evan Anderson at, at nose tackle I like, but I don't I don't know that 
Todd Orlando is going to fix the defense. The defense didn't really need fixed. Um, not sure why they did that in the first place. Defense was the thing that was good last season. And uh, here's Todd Orlando to make it worse. <laughs> that's, that's sort of, that's my, my fear. I, I don't, I don't think the defense needed fixed. And now they're bringing in the guy who changes defenses in an attempt to fix them and only ever makes them worse. It's, it's a, it's a troubling track record. Thank you, Todd, as always for your work. We appreciate your service. Yep. Uh, thank you, Todd. Um, he, <laughs> we do know though, at least I guess you can say this from Willie Taggart, he's pulled off a rebuild before, right. Yep. And, and a fairly quick one at that. Um, but he's also really fucked up some programs. Uh, I, I guess the question is like, does this look like the programs that were trending in the right direction or the wrong direction? And if they do take a leak, what would it look like? Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, his, his time at, at Western Kentucky, his time at USF, the, the ends of those, of those stints were really encouraging, right? They, they really, really broke through at the end of his UCF time. Like those late UCF teams were, or, or sorry, USF teams were really good. Um, You know, like, like 20, I think it would have been 2016 USF. That team was awesome Uh, before he jumped to Oregon. His Oregon team wasn't bad. They went like seven and six. Um, end of his Western Kentucky tenure was really good. And then there's Florida State, and that's a troubling, <laughs> it's a troubling uh, blip on the on the resume. Obviously, FAU is closer in prestige, in money, in conference to somebody like Western Kentucky, somebody like USF, than Florida State is. But that is the most recent experience that we have, and he's uh, his offense sucks. He's he's an offensive guy, and his offense sucks right now. It's not very good, and so. The positive thing that we can take from that is that his offense sucked at USF too, and he fixed it. He, you know, they went and built the Gulf Coast offense, and it worked really well, and they broke through with with Quentin Flowers, and that offense was really fun. And then he got the Oregon job and the Florida State job, and that offense doesn't work anymore. And he's still running it, and he just brought in, um, you know, he brought in Brent Deerman to try and fix it. And I don't love Brent Deerman. I don't, I don't know that I'm super excited about Brent Deerman as a as an offensive coordinator. Um, I'm more excited about him than I was about Michael Johnson, who is the old offensive coordinator who stinks big time. Um, but uh, I, big time, I, yeah, not a good, not a good football coach. Um, but I, I just, I think it could, I think it could go either way. I think that Deerman could totally revamp the offense and they could break through. They have a returning quarterback in Nikosi Perry. They have running backs to be excited about with Johnny Ford. They have some talent on defense. Offensive line is mostly back. I, I I could totally see them having a, a breakthrough year on offense. I could also see, you know, he's he is a guy who who does let his program sort of atrophy a little bit. I don't think that he's great at building out depth. I think that he takes a little bit too many flyers on guys. There's a lot of transfers on this team, a lot of P5 transfers who are here for, like we said with the JUCOs, here for a reason. Jaleel McRae, here for a reason. Jamie Petway, here for a reason. These are guys coming from Power 5 schools. There's There's, you know... They're not at Power 5 schools anymore, and that's not just random. Um, and so I, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the fact that they don't really have any receivers who are especially impressive, other than, like, LeJounte Wester is pretty good, but he's more of an H-back. Um, and so I, I think it could go either way. I, I could I could see the offense breaking through with an experienced quarterback with maybe some new eyes to revamp what they're doing uh, with some young talent on defense. I could also see that he's brought in like five guys from his Florida state tenure as transfers in the last two seasons. And it's not like those guys were especially good at Florida state. And we're just more and more stacking on P five transfers who don't make sense together and everything falls apart. I, I think they're about equally likely. 
Uh, to get more into the personnel again, are you worried that basically the talent at receiver does not quite match up with what they do well in the passing game? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're losing. They're not even losing a ton at receiver. It's just that they don't have anything here. Like Brandon Robinson's leaving, and he was he was uh, sort of their intermediate threat. The guys that they bring back, Wester is is like I mentioned, good, but he's a slot guy. I don't know if you can really lean on a slot guy as your top receiver like they did last year. Um, Jaquan Burton has not done a whole lot. He won the starting job last year in the middle of the season. Um, and then Javion Posey is a former quarterback who uh, hasn't done anything at all. And that's it. That's all they have at wide receiver. They, they, there's no other proven production here at all. And so I think they're going to want to pass the ball. I, I think Nikosi Perry does like to pass the ball. I think he's pretty good. I like Nikosi Perry at, at quarterback. He was good last year. Um, you know, 20 touchdowns to seven interceptions, not bad. Almost 2,800 yards, completed 60.7% of his passes. He was pretty good. But I I don't really like any of the receivers outside of Wester and a little bit of Burton, and there's no young guys who look like they're ready to step up. It's it's Posey is the best of that bunch, and he is a former quarterback. It's 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 sparse at wide receiver, and they really haven't hit the portal for new ones, which I don't I don't really understand. Grim, that's Grim, Patrick. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not necessarily. They also lose both of their top two tight ends, um, so it's not no no solace there either. Do you have any better news on the <laughs> uh, defensive side of the ball by chance? Uh, kind of, I guess. Uh, Jalen Joyner, like I mentioned, Evan Anderson. I think the defensive line's gonna be pretty good. Jaden Wheeler's back as well. I, 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 you know, Morvin Joseph. I like. He was at Tennessee. He was. A, he's a very good athlete. Um, not, not a whole lot to be excited about after that. I guess if you're into, you know, P five transfers, there's quite a few of them on this defense who could maybe be good you know joseph from tennessee jaleel mccray jaleel mccray from florida state uh jamie petway from missouri like they you know, I don't know maybe um but there's it's it's going to be some new starters in the secondary who didn't do a whole lot last season and it's going to be some p5 transfers who they're leaning pretty heavily on for if not starting minutes at least depth at linebacker and on the defensive line and uh i i i'm not super thrilled about that i i i think that the defense is going to be fine i think it probably needs to be better than fine for fau to compete for the conference title which is what it expected out of um out of taggart i don't think that's going to happen this season i don't think the floor is horribly low their their talent level is, is too high for them to bottom out really unless everything just completely falls apart but i don't know that the ceiling is especially high either just because of those issues at wide receiver and the fact that they're replacing so much of their defense i, I think it's probably a i mean they need to go to a bowl game. I don't know how they managed to not do that last year. They really need to do that this year, but I don't know if they're going to do a whole lot more than that. So I, I'm, that's not what they want at attacker. That's not what FAU wants in general. It's not how it fashions itself as a program. This is expected to be a title contender and that they are so far behind a program like Western Kentucky. I, I can't imagine that they're super pleased about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when you hired the guy who is you know known for being good at Western Kentucky, right? You yeah. kind of expect to at least get that out of it. Um, okay. We got North Texas next. Um, North Texas really just a tale of two halves in their season, right? Yeah. Really weird 2021 season for them. Uh, which of those teams are we getting this year? Dude, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure just cause I, I'm not inside Seth Luttrell's head, right? Not, not anymore. Um, but, uh, I, I really hope we get the second half because that team kicked ass. The team that we saw in the last seven weeks of the season at North Texas was so much fun. That Those guys were so much fun to watch. They were playing so well. 
Um, they completely changed their identity on both sides of the ball. They went away from the air raid entirely on offense. They pretty much just stopped throwing with Austin Allen, which is a, a good idea because he stinks. He's not a good quarterback. They started running on defense. They um, just changed everything they were doing. They they sort of leaned more into uh, havoc. They leaned more into getting plays in the backfield, um, you know, getting getting sacks, getting tackles for loss. Phil Bennett is the defensive coordinator here. He's he's a havoc guy. He's <laughs> certainly good at it. Um, and it, it's sort of, you know, they, they surrendered a ton of big plays, but they also made a ton of big plays, and it worked really well for them. I, it's an identity that fits this offense, that fits this program. I think that they stumbled onto something really good, and I just need to see if they keep it because Latrell is an air raid guy. That's That's been his thing. Um, and I'm worried that he might try to go back to it, but I, I think that if he does what seems to be good for him, if he sticks with what was working so well last year, they could be really good. I think that they they would be a sort of a unique team in identity. Um, it's not unique to run the ball at the top of the, the CUSA, but I think that it is unique to have that sort of style of defense where you're really hunting for sacks, you're really hunting for tackles in the backfield, you're willing to give up big passing plays, but you're basically saying you can't run on us and you can't you know, wait that long because we're going to get to your quarterback. Uh, you, you can't have these long developing plays. Um, and I, I think they could totally do that again. The, the defensive production that they're losing is troubling because they're going to lose a lot of that, that front seven that was responsible for it, and they might need to shift identity a little bit. But um, I'm certainly hoping we get the second half of the team of the, of the season instead of the first half because I think the first half just doesn't really make sense with what they have. I don't think they have the quarterback to, to run the air raid anymore. And um, even at the end of the Mason Fine era, when they had a quarterback who could run it, it just wasn't working very well anymore. I don't, I don't think it will work very well anymore, with uh, the way Latrell wants to to do it. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously, I'll say, cautiously optimistic that they are going to stick to what works. They're going to hand the ball off to somebody like Oscar Attaway, uh, to a really good stable of running backs in general, and they're going to keep that identity shift because it, it. It saved his job last year outright. It saved his job, and I I don't know why he'd go away from it after it saved his job. So um, I, I guess beyond that, um, let's talk about running game on both sides of the ball here, right? Yeah. I, I think like what, what should we expect from North Texas way to control the offensive line, uh, defensive line, scrimmage? Uh, in, in general, what is the ceiling for this team in terms of run stopping and and, and running? Yeah, so on on defense, I'm not. I, I think that it's it's to be determined because they are losing so much of this front. Grayson Murphy is transferring. Gabriel Murphy, his brother, is transferring. There's your your starting defensive end and your starting sort of rush linebacker, probably the two best havoc players on the defense, outside of like KD Davis, who we'll we'll get to in a minute. Um, Cam Hill's also gone at defensive end. Dion Noville and Caleb Colvin also gone at defensive tackle. So you're you're losing a lot from the front seven, but there are pieces there that I like. Um, Roderick Brown at nose guard, I think is going to be really good. Enoch Taylor is going to be, or Enoch Jackson is going to be really good at defensive tackle. And then the, the thing that, that makes me excited about this, this run defense still, the thing that I think could sort of guide them as they shift into maybe a little bit less havoc heavy of an identity and more just being impossible to run on. Um, KD Davis at linebacker, Kevin Wood at linebacker, and Larry Nixon the third at linebacker. KD Davis is one of those guys who, and you will know exactly the kind of player I'm talking about when I say this. He's like a five foot ten middle linebacker. 
He had 120, yeah. he had 120 tackles last season. Um, he has started every game for like the last four seasons. First team all QSA guy. Um, he has, yeah, he, he's led the team in tackles for three straight seasons. He's just that guy, right? 15 and a half tackles for loss. He's fucking everywhere. He, he is, he's one of my favorite kind of players to watch is little guy who is all over the field all of the time and just impossible to deal with as an offense. And, um, Nixon and Wood aren't quite that. They're they're bigger, more traditional linebackers. But I think those three guys are going to be really good as a starting core, and that gives me some optimism with those those you know younger guys stepping in at tackle and nose guard that the the run defense can still be really good. Um, on the offense, they bring back pretty much the whole line, and so I, I think that the running game should be able to to keep going. Cole Brown, Gabe Blair, Manez Mose, and and Dazion Carroll are all back on the offensive line. They only lose one starter at uh, at right tackle. Granted, he's the best one in Jacob Brammer, but um, they bring back four starters on the offensive line, and they have all but DeAndre Torrey, who was the leading rusher last year. But they they have. Um, I want to say yeah, four running backs returning outside of him, all of whom have taken major carries in the past um Oscar Attaway was actually going to be the starter in 2021 before he suffered an injury he's back for this season if he's healthy he's very good he was he was going to beat out Torrey and Torrey rushed for 1200 yards um I think that they're I think that the run game on both sides of the ball should be good I think that the linebackers are going to keep it moving on defense I think that the offense really has no reason to take a step back unless DeAndre Torrey was just that good, which I, I don't think he was. I think that his success is replicable by a, a group of four new guys stepping in who all contributed last year anyway. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, right? Uh, I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's it's just like they're, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess besides the besides the linebackers this defense though like what else do you have to be excited about uh, with them and, and i guess like i don't know how do you see the rest of the defense supporting this linebacker unit is what i'm trying to get at yeah so i, I am worried about the defensive ends especially I, i'm not sure about carson crop taking over for gabriel murphy or really anybody taking over for grayson murphy because they were the murphy brothers were so good like jonathan pickett has not done anything uh he's a former three-star he's taken over for you know an, an all cusa kind of player in in Grayson Murphy and so I'm, I'm worried about that but do you think really quick do you think they ever consider doing something like the Dudley brothers uh and kind of coming out that kind of gimmick yeah you gotta think about it I mean <laughs> something something you know these programs they they, they got to get the attention somehow so yeah I'm, I'm sure that they've I'm sure they've considered that and if they have okay, it keep going that'll be uh five thousand dollars for consulting fees for yep them. that's um, right the the uh, that's a lot of of negative which is not necessarily answering the question but there is positive it's it's that they bring back sean thomas faulkner at, at eagle they bring back three starting caliber cornerbacks um they bring back two i would say starting caliber safeties um one of whom deshaun gaddy is really really good he finished the year at cornerback but started it at safety which is a good kind of safety to have um, they're going to have to replace Mikhail Sanders back there, but I, I think they can. And so I, I, the losses in the front four are troubling, but I think that all of the returning guys in the back seven help me be a little bit less worried about it because I think they, they have the they have the talent that they can just shift strengths a little bit and that the defense can stay just as good. Um, and, and, and so you don't want to lose those guys, but if you're going to lose them, the fact that they bring back like seven starters in the back seven is, it, it makes it a lot easier to absorb. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I guess beyond that with this team, uh, the other thing I'm kind of curious about just getting back on the program level here is 
there any unfortunate position of being in the same state, uh, or, or sorry, not being in the same state rather, but but kind of uh, being behind UAB and UTSA, yeah, uh, in this conference. And I mean, obviously, the teams are competing with Fort Atlantic. We just mentioned the team we're just gonna, about to talk about Western Kentucky, but you know, how far are they from being in that top group with UAB and UTSA going forward? I I think that they are a a at least a quarterback breakthrough and probably another not necessarily generational, but very good pair of edge rushers away from it. I, and I I don't know if they have those guys on the roster right now. They certainly could get those guys at some point. I think they're more likely to have the future at quarterback on this roster than they are defensive end. Um, J.D. Head is here. He's the one who transferred from Louisiana Tech. I think he could be the quarterback of the future. They have a guy named Stone Earl, which I, I like just as a name. He's not a real guy. From Abilene, Certainly not a real yeah, guy. From Abilene Christian. Uh, he was pretty good last year. Um, I don't think Jace Ruder or Austin Allen is, is the answer at quarterback, but I think J.D. Head totally could be sometime down the road. And so that's, I think that's the major difference. UAB and UTSA are also just better programs from top to bottom, the way that they run, the way that they have done things. They've sort of eaten North Texas's lunch on that front. Uh, and so I, I think that they're several years away from having the depth of talent those programs have. But I do think that uh, you know, a breakthrough quarterback can change a lot of things very quickly, especially if they have a consistently trustworthy running game and defense. They just don't, I don't think they have that right now. And so I, I, they are at least that far behind. I think that they're premium positions behind. A lot of the the positions in the middle, I think, are pretty similar. Running back, pretty similar. Wide receiver, pretty similar. You know, offensive line, secondary, things like that, pretty similar. But it's, it's you know, if you're doing a fantasy draft, guys you're taking first are your edge rushers and your quarterbacks, and I don't think they have those. Uh, and, and so I think that that's what, I think that's what they're behind on, basically. Got it. Got it. Um, so I, I guess the last team we're here to here is Western Kentucky. Um, it's it's kind of the same question I think we talked about a little bit with UTEP. I guess maybe this is a little bit more about Portal instead of, instead of JUCO. Yep. But is the way that Western Kentucky is building their program, uh, is it viable? So uh kind of maybe i don't know if we know yet right because i i i don't know how you feel about the the idea of like the mel tucker style building out of the portal thing um i'm interested in it i don't think i'm optimistic about it as a concept but i I think it could work i guess um in theory right if you if you're really good at it you know how to pick your spots that's certainly what western kentucky's trying to do they've got you know starting quarterback two starting receivers um, contributing offensive lineman, potential starter there, uh, contributing defensive end, two defensive tackles, just sorting through linebacker, nickelback, safety, all from the transfer portal, all expected to contribute or start this season. They also lost a bunch of guys to the transfer portal because that's what happens when you play this game. And so I don't I don't know if we have a great answer yet. I, I don't think it is. I don't think it's a great way to build a program, but I also, we haven't seen the portal before. We haven't seen you know, returns on these programs yet. I think last year was the first year where teams really started to take advantage of that. And so I I don't know if we have a great answer yet. I don't think so, but you know, I look at this roster and I don't think it's bad. I don't I don't think that they're I don't think that they have serious weaknesses. I just don't know how this is going to impact your program three or four years down the road if you're trying to do it every single year. You're saying they don't have that dog in them, is what I'm hearing. Uh, some of their players have that dog in them. I'm not sure if they, as a pro, I don't know if, um, I certainly don't know if Tyson Helton has that dog in him as a, as a, as a coach, but I think like Jalen Hall has that dog. in him. Yeah. I mean, speaking of guys who spend a lot of time around dogs, uh, uh-huh. we have Jarrett Doge, uh-huh. uh, Doge, Jarrett Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah. Jarrett Dogecoin. Uh, Jarrett Dogecoin. 
they're switching from Bailey Zapp to to the former Texas Tech quarterback. Uh, and they're also good. He's Texas Tech, right? West Virginia. That up? West Virginia. West Virginia. Okay. By, by where? Who is the guy at Texas Tech? You're, uh, so you're you're thinking I, you're you're not entirely off because he was a Mike Jenks recruit at Bowling Green, and Mike Jenks was at Texas Tech, and then he transferred to. West that's Virginia why I thought it. That's definitely yeah. why. Not because I forgot. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, naturally. No, I, I the Texas Tech guy was at Alan Bowman, who was at Michigan. There's a lot of Texas. Every basically. Yeah. Uh, about half the programs in the country currently have a former Texas Tech quarterback on their roster. Yeah, it's your that's your de facto Texas Tech quarterback. Ohio State. We were at spring practice for Ohio State a couple of days ago, uh, covering it, and they have a quarterback who no one knows who he is. He's not on the roster, not doing anything. Okay, I'm assuming that he's from Texas Tech, just some guy. Yeah, former Texas Tech starter, played there for like 17 career games. Yeah, threw for uh, 8,000 yeah. yards. He's the worst quarterback you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So, so the drop from uh, Bailey's out to Jared Diggy, and, and from. Uh, I think they they kind of lost, like you said, Jareth Stearns and Mitchell Tinsley yeah. going down to Michael Matheson and Jalen Hall. I don't know if Jalen Hall's going down to, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what is the drop off of the offense this year, if any? And what are your expectations now for them? So I, I think it's probably going to go from like, it was like second in the country in points per game. I don't think that's tenable. I'd guess it drops somewhere into the, the 20 to 30 range, which is still really good. That's not, you know, that's not a bad offense at all, but I do think there's going to be a drop off just because. I don't think Jared Diggie's as good as Bailey's app, right? Like that seems like a lot to ask. We we have some, you know, it's it's sort of like the uh, the Chris Reynolds situation where we have a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, research that we can do on this guy, and we can say pretty definitively that this is what he is. He's he's fine. Um, I do like the receivers. I like Jalen Hall a lot. He was really good at Western Michigan. I like Ma- Michael Matheson a lot. Who, if you listen, if you're putting up numbers at Akron, if you're putting up 700 receiving yards at Akron last season. You're probably pretty good. You're probably a pretty good player. And I think those two slot pretty well into the Tinsley and Stearns roles, respectively. Um, I do like Daywood Davis here as well, who is returning, and uh, Malachi Corley, who is is back and had 73 receptions last year, and I don't know if I've ever heard anyone talk about him. That's like just sort of how this offense produces receivers, is that it, it had a bunch of guys who who did a whole bunch last year and... You don't even know about them because of how good Mitchell Tinsley and Jareth Stearns were. So I, I think that the receiving room should still be really good. Diggy's probably a step back, and that's going to be the difference. But I, I don't think that there's a whole lot else changing. They're, they're losing some starters on the offensive line. I don't think it matters for this offense. So I, I'm, I think that the drop is going to be Diggy-related. I don't think it's going to be huge. I, I think it's, it's more of a they're not record-setting anymore. They're merely very good. Mm, okay. Willing to buy on that. I'm willing to. I'm willing to play ball. Uh, <laughs> I guess the question is, is there anyone in the East who can make him pay for it? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, it's pretty much, does FAU have a jump in them? And I don't think that they do. If Charlotte can figure it out on offense, they certainly have the potential to keep up with Western Kentucky, but that defense is going to be worse. And so I, I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of options outside of that. Like middle Tennessee, we've kind of talked about is, is locked into what it is, what it is doing. Um, <laughs> so I think that they are just sort of you know, there's no more Marshall. And so I don't know who's going to compete with them. Yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, maybe there's a Marshall though. Who knows? We, we yeah, maybe, maybe Marshall, will, that, yeah, but it's yeah. possible. Yeah. Maybe Marshall will be in at, at which point Western Kentucky is, is, uh, you know, I think Western Kentucky is very pleased about the fact that Marshall is leaving. <laughs> and, uh, if that does not happen, I would, I would be, I'd be not super pleased if I'm Tyson Helton looking at the schedule and seeing, Oh, well, fuck Marshall's on it again. I didn't want that. Man, um, no, okay, let's get out of the Stam East and get to the two teams that matter in this conference, yeah? yeah. Uh, get the tier one? Yeah. Uh, UAB, 
Bill Clark, the god, the king, yep. the, the magic man, the prestige. Uh, why is he like not treated the way he should be? Because um, people don't watch UAV football. I think that's the I think that's the main reason. It's, it's the you know, the national tastemakers of the sport don't pay attention to half of it, and so UAB doesn't get looked at. But like, I mean, it, it's it's crazy, right? What he's done here. This is crazy that they're like one of the best teams in their conference every single year. And they died five years ago. Like they did not have a. Pro- they had the they installed the death program on themselves, and they immediately were a bowl team again. They came back in year one. They went to a bowl game. That's that's nuts. <laughs> that's, you know, they they had that. They now have they've had that entire recruiting class cycle out where they had all those JUCOs that built out the team. All those guys are gone. All of their first high school recruiting class are gone, and they're still a favorite. Like this, it's just it, this guy is so good. He's so so fucking good at his job. It is ridiculous how good this program is under him. How stable, how consistent, how talented it is. Like it, it's really. It is a. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm glad that he's still here because I like it when G5 programs are good. I'm glad that nobody has noticed. But God damn, there is not a. I don't think there's a more underappreciated coach in football than him. He is so good at what he does. I think he's probably a legitimate. I'd say he's a top ten coach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in college, maybe that's, that's probably two guys. But he's probably he's a top twenty I, coach in college I, football. I don't know that I would have an argument against top ten. I mean, what more could you possibly ask of him? I probably I just put myself in a corner. I don't want to be. I don't think I actually think he's a top ten <laughs> coach, but I do think he's a top twenty coach, and I, I really do like him a lot. He's incredibly impressive. I guess the weirder question for me is like, why isn't anyone hiring him away? Like, I know he's I know he's not on exactly the spring chicken in terms yeah. of age, but like, I mean, I don't know, like. Come on, like, what are we doing here, right? Like, there's how many shitty coaches people have been hired? He's only 53 years old. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. With how many coaches have been hired that are terrible over and over again? Like, why not pick a guy that actually wins and wins consistently? Yeah, it's really strange, especially because I think this is sort of your, you know, this is the Southern answer to like Lance Leopold, right? And obviously, Lance Leopold was at Buffalo for probably longer than we thought he should have been, and he should have gotten a bigger job than than he ultimately even did at Kansas, right? But this is your 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 answer to that. If you're an ACC team looking for someone like that, if you're an SEC team looking for someone like that, and I don't really know. I I, I really don't. I don't know what it is that has scared those teams off or has kept them from looking at him. Um, my instinct is to think that he has pretty much openly said to like SEC schools that he's not willing to play ball in the way that you need to, to recruit in that league. And and that could be part of it. But even then, like, I mean, you know, I talked on the solo show a couple weeks ago about, was it Virginia hiring Tony Elliott? What the fuck are you doing? Why don't you hire Bill Clark? He's right there. <laughs> he's you know it's it's deeply it's, unserious like yeah you, like duke what are you fucking doing why'd you hire mike elko go get this guy he's <laughs> he won he wins 10 games a year with a program that died in 2016 it's not been that long and they they go to you know they're competing for the conference title every single season he has built one of the best rushing attacks in the country consistently with uab talent like this this guy is just it, it's really it's baffling that more programs are not well, who wants that? You know. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you want to? You know, win ten games a year. That's. <laughs> you could, you could Some get, guys like losing. Yeah, you could get Tony Elliott, and you could pretend that you're trying to recruit against Clemson and lose all those battles, and then go four and eight. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I do. I like doing that, and yeah. that's why. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, but I, I guess, I guess, getting back to UAB as a football team, that is a program here. Uh, we, we have like some questions based on this team at wide receiver on the defensive line this year, right? It, it's yeah. kind of like one of the big concerns. 
Um, how limiting are those concerns at what are obviously premium positions? And what do you expect out of them? Yeah, so the the issue at wide receiver, uh, there's, a, there's a couple uh, of, of issues at wide receiver. But uh, the, the big one is that they just don't really have very many of them. They don't throw the ball a whole lot. And so I'm not sure how much I'm concerned about that. Like, it's it's not quite a situation where they don't have any receivers, but they really like to throw the ball, right? Like UTEP. The UTEP wide receiver situation is more troubling to me than this one because they do have Trey Shropshire back, and he was their leading wide receiver like for receptions last year. They had tight ends with more, but 27 receptions, 703 yards, 7 touchdowns, right? He, he led the nation in yards per catch. That's pretty much how they throw the ball, and they bring him back. And so I, I'm not... I'm not sure I'm as worried about it as I maybe could be. They do le- they do lose Rajay Johnson Sanders, who is their number two receiver. Um, but Shropshire's back. Ryan Davis is the number three receiver. He's back. He's kind of a tweener, 5'11", sort of an intermediate guy. Uh, Samario Rudolph is more of a slot. I say that. He did have six receptions last year. A.J. Davis had 10, right? But I, I don't know how much it's going to be a huge deal to lose those receivers, to lose Johnson Sanders specifically, or not have a ton of top-end receivers because they just don't need to throw the ball that much. So it's a it's a concern insofar as it's a weakness on the roster, but if you're going to have a weakness on this team, that's a damn good one to have because they just don't throw the ball very much. I, I am, I'm almost more worried about finding a new tight end because Garrett Prince is gone, as is Hayden Pittman. Those guys combined for, um, let me do the math real quick on my head here, it's like 58 receptions last season as as tight ends, um, you know, almost uh, almost 900 yards, uh, 11 touchdowns. They were really good, and so I'm 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 worried about that. They did bring in Dallas Payne from JUCO, who I think could be pretty good. And then the the defensive line is certainly more troubling to me because that's a that's an actual part of the team that they use pretty frequently. I think that receiver can be made up for easily. Right, they they do have to put them on the field for yeah. roughly half the game. Yeah, they do have to have the defensive line on the field, and, and Alex Wright is gone at defensive end. Antonio Moultrie is transferring to Miami. He was really good. Tyree Turner is gone from nose tackle, and Justin Thomas and Macario Stanley are both gone from defensive tackle. There's your four starters, basically, on the defensive line. Um, they do have Kelly Sanders back, who was a kind of starter on the defensive line. He played a little bit of everywhere. Michael Fairbanks, similar story. So they're not without experience but they are without starters um and so i'm you know you're asking a lot of sanders a lot of fairbanks to step up into those defensive end spots and then even more so at the tackle spots um isaiah forte and fish mcwilliams which just great name we love fish mcwilliams as a concept yeah Um, that's the new mcdonald special for Lent. yeah i'm getting a fish mcwilliams (laughs) 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 Um, those, (laughs) those guys they have sort of the same exact story which is that they have been contributing for several years that's a really quick sorry before you get back to that where are you at on Lent and and, uh you know obviously the redemption of our birth our lord and savior jesus christ say again uh, where where are you at on lent as a concept and oh. then uh, on the rebirth of our lord and savior jesus christ oh um anti and pro in that order <laughs> okay 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 cool, 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 cool. um sorry keep going keep going yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying a fish mcwilliams for lent but uh i i <laughs> so these guys are sort of in the same spot mcwilliams and forte are where they've they've contributed for several years but they haven't really taken the step into starting roles i don't know if it's their fault but they they haven't done it and that's worrisome. Um, Kyle Harrell, kind of a same, kind of the same thing. He's more of a more of a pass rusher. Nakia Eason, both on the outside. I think that those guys will contribute. So there's talent here, but there's not really proven talent, um, at least not on the starting level. And that's always 
worrisome. So I think that the defensive line, I'm the the production loss there, I'm more worried about than I am at wide receiver. But the the good news is, and you know, you might be wondering, you know, hey, first eight minutes of this UAB preview, we're talking about what they what they're losing, what they don't have. Uh, that's the good news because every other part of the team is back. That's it's pretty much just the line and the receivers that are that are troubling. Everything else is back, and everything else is extremely good. Now, uh, okay, so just to follow up on that one more thing, I, we talked about Fish McWilliams. Fish the band. Where are yeah. you at on Fish the band? Uh, not familiar. I know the name, but I've not heard any of their any of their their tunes. Hmm. Is that is that the uh, is that the right answer? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like. I'm not a fish guy. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I'm not the kind of guy who like would go to a fish show or like the people who follow fish on tour. I'm not a yeah. fish head. Uh-huh. I think they're probably a different name than that. Yeah. But you got to respect the existence of fish. You got you got to probably know a little bit about fish. I don't know if I do. I mean, I, the, the title of the episode is going to be that Ryan is a big fish guy. I, I hope that you, <laughs> <laughs> you or that. or we just I think we just call it Fish McWilliams with the PH. It's the way we do it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but besides that, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> to get back into UAB, yeah. um, and well, I guess really to get to the rest of UAB, we have to kind of get into UTSA, right? It's kind of what we have to do next is like kind of compare these teams. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. we're talking about here ultimately. Yeah. Um, so, so let's get into UTSA and then we'll talk about the kind of the, how they stand compares to each other at the end of this. Yeah. Uh, UTSA. What are you, where are you at on Jeff Trailer? Like, I know we know Bill Clark is consistent. Are you buying long-term on Jeff Trailer? It's a one-year blip. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I'm, I certainly believe in Jeff Trailer as a concept. I, I think that the, the thing that I wrote in my, my extremely long preview um, is that it's harder to wear the crown than it is to take it, right? It's, it's, Harder to be the champion. That's hard. That's hard. That's, that's a wide receiver. That's a wide receiver that's a, Instagram. That's caption. a wide receiver Instagram caption. But it's it's <laughs> it's a lot harder to be the defending champion than it is to take it from somebody else. Um, just it just is. It's it's harder to build a, a title winning program long term than it is to win one in one season. And that's my big question about Jeff Trailer. But um, that's the only question. It it's just it is literally it, it is a you know, a mysticism, can he do this thing that is famously hard? Because everything else that he's doing says, yes, absolutely, he can do that. I mean, the, the roster is excellent. The depth is as good as it's been. I think the talent at the top end is as good as it's been, even with Sincere McCormick leaving. Um, their recruiting is only getting better. He's he's landed, uh, it's not a super rich history because the program's only existed for 12 years. He's landed the two best classes in program history in the past two seasons, right? Like, this is... He won the title with probably the least talented team that he'll have at UTSA, and uh, I, I mean, <laughs> that's I, I, I don't know if I can give a more ringing endorsement of him than that. I think he's very, very good at his job. I think that his program is very, very good, and I think that they're only headed up from from here, especially as they jump to the the American. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't know. Like, I think when you read or or hear about the things that like high school coaches in the area describe about him and that recruits describe about him, just the way like Jeff Trailer and his whole staff, yeah, kind of just like really work their ass off to appreciate themselves in that area. I think it's pretty special, right? And I think yeah. like that is something of just building relationships that way. Like he's he's recruiting guys he can keep getting over and over again because he's essentially now the top. If you take away the P five schools in Texas, take away SMU and Houston. Uh, he's now the top guy in that region for like, you know, besides those schools, it's like yeah. that, that is something that's really valuable when you have a state that's producing several hundred D one players a year. Right. Yeah. And it's not all you can build your program on, but it's damn near close. You know, it's, it's pretty goddamn close to that. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the question is, in terms of his players now, now that Sister McCormick is gone, uh, who, who takes over for him, and, and what does this offense look like without him in it? Yeah. So that actually ties pretty well into the the recruiting thing, and I I, I just want to mention here because it it it's a really good example of what you're talking about where once you when you recruit like this it can repeat right you can you can go back into schools and you can get similar levels of players you can be you know first one in the door and and all these high school coaches talk about how detail oriented they are and how much they do their homework on all of the players at a school right A, a really strong example of this is at running back with sincere mccormick gone sincere mccormick is just for a little bit of background he was a really good running back at uh, Judson High School in in Converse, Texas. Um, I want to say that's where it is. I think that's yeah, Converse, Texas. It's it's near San Antonio. It's like 15 miles out. And he set all these sort of he set all these school records. Really, really good running back. Ends up at UTSA. He's obviously very good at UTSA. My projected starter at running back is DeAnthony Lewis, who broke every single one of Sincere McCormick's records at Judson. Um, there are like eight players on this team from Judson. That's that's the shit that you have to do if you're going to be the head coach at UTSA, if you're going to build a long-term thing at UTSA, or at really any Texas program. It's that kind of thing, where high school that had a record-setting running back is sending their next record-setting running back to you because of how well you, you, you know, how much, how, you know, what you did with their last running back, how well you treated him, how well you treated this upcoming guy. And that's that's what you have to do. And I think that that's what really impresses me about Trailer and his staff is that they have that continuity. They have that connection with these schools. And so I think the new running back is going to be DeAnthony Lewis. If it's not him, it's going to be Ty Edwards. I would guess that both of them are going to see playing time. Lewis is the more, I'd say, prototypical running back. He's, he's quicker, he's faster, 6'1", 195. He looks like a running back. He was hurt last year, but he's the the... the expectation in you know internally is very very high around him they are very excited around him um ty edwards is a juco guy he is 6'3 230 pounds he does not cut he uh he starts his run he finds the hole and he runs straight and he's just really hard to tackle and there's there's nothing wrong with that that is a fun kind of running back i think both of them are going to play i think both of them are going to be good I don't think that there's one single replacement for McCormick this season. Lewis will do it long term, but I think that those two can supplement him pretty well and that the running game is not going to take a huge step back. Even with McCormick and his top two backups leaving, I'm not super concerned about the running backs because they have so much talent in the wings. Makes sense to me. Um, so I, I guess the question is the other side of the football. Um, what what do we expect on this defense? I know specifically with the passing defense here, we have some concerns about the secondary. Uh, you know, like in terms rather rather what they have been in terms of experience. Can they can they maintain actually being that good? In general, what are you expecting out of this team this year? Yeah, so the the defense, um, um <clears throat> the the passing game specifically, I think the defense in the in the run game is going to be fine because they don't really lose a whole lot of it. Like the middle of the defense is pretty much intact, but they do lose both defensive ends in Lorenzo Dantzler and Jalen Haynes. They weren't amazing, but they were worth mentioning uh i do like jermaine bell taking over for one of them that the other answer i'm not super convinced about uh whoever it might be i think it's probably a cyrus simon who's fine um but the the more pressing concern is at cornerback where they are losing to tariq woolen who you might know if you're a draft guy because uh, he's six foot four. oh yeah he's, oh we know about Tariq Woolen. yeah he's six four and ran like a four three flat um he actually he was kind of more of a spot contributor here than he was a full-time starter. That went to Ken Robinson and Corey Mayfield Jr., who are both fine at cornerback. Um, and so replacing Woolen is going to be interesting because you are replacing a really unique athlete. 
I think Zah Frazier is going to be the guy to do it. He's a JUCO transfer. He was fantastic as a JUCO player. He was actually signed to go to Kentucky and uh, ended up breaking that deal to come to UTSA. So I'm not convinced he's going to be eligible to play this year because you can't do that. But I I mean, he certainly could be. And then at, at safety, they are losing Antonio Parks and Jamal Sam. But they do bring back Rashad Wisdom, who's fantastic. Uh, and they have plenty of experience at safety. So I, I think that, you know, the the... The pass defense is a little troubling just because you have Woolen leaving, you have some safeties leaving, you have defensive ends departing, but the guys in the wings are encouraging, certainly, and, and, and there's enough young talent here that somebody's going to have to step up, and, and I think somebody will step up just by virtue of it's a it's a really competitive program right now. It's a, it's a place where I, I don't think that they're willing... I don't think they're really going to have bad starters. And that's just not something you can say about a lot of CUSA programs. It just doesn't seem likely that they'll have bad starters because of how much talent is in the program. One thing I want to mention here is that I'm not the stepdad. I'm the dad who stepped up. Okay. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's important to note. Okay. Beyond that, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, I don't know. Um, so I guess the real question is like, what is your pick here between UTSA and UAB in the West? Ultimately, who do you think comes out on top and what's going to separate these two programs? Yeah. So I think it sort of depends. Your, your preference here for these teams is going to depend on what you like in a program. It's going to depend on style, right? If you want a, I, I think it, it's sort of, you know, it, it's a, it, which one do you trust more? Do you trust a program that, that has a really good quarterback and a really good passing game and, and might lean more on the passing game this season and, you know, then the run defense is really good because if that's the case, UTSA is your pick. Frank Harris is going to be awesome at quarterback. He was already really good last year. Um, he, I think he's absolutely ready to be the star of the offense. They're going to have to break in some new guys at running back. I think the running game might take a step back just because of that. Um, but they bring back every receiver who matters to Corey and Clark. They bring back uh, Joshua Cephas and they bring back Zachary Franklin. As I said, I think this is the best receiving core in the in the conference. Um run defense they bring back all the guys who pretty much all the guys who matter for that that all should be very good I think they're going to be really hard to stop in the air I think that the running game is going to catch up and be very good by the end of the season run defense should be good concerns about the pass defense if you prefer a team that is just going to run for 300 yards every single game and that you're not you're not going to be able to pass on at all um UAB is the pick because they bring back I would say my two favorite running backs in the G5 uh, both of them are on UAB and Dwayne McBride and Jermaine Brown Jr. They are absolutely bizarre. If you have not seen them play, I, I would really recommend it. Not just as a like as a G5 guy who wants you to watch G5 football, but as like a guy who likes football. These guys are so much fun to watch. Dwayne McBride runs sort of like he's mad at uh, the fact that he has to run. Right? He he really he really steps when he runs. He really, really hits the ground hard. And despite being a pretty big player, he's so smooth and, and creative as a runner. I, I would almost, it's almost like a soccer player, right? Where there, there's, you know, it, it's not so much about uh, straight line speed as it is just finding these little pieces that he can pick in the defense and, and hitting those holes he's really really fun to watch in open space and then Jermaine Brown is the exact opposite there is no flow at all it is completely janky he will stop in the middle of a run and turn in the exact opposite direction and it still works because he's like five foot six and you can't tackle him um, they are so much fun to watch UAB changes them in the middle of drives as you start to catch on with you know one of their 
one of their timings, right? Which is, is so dangerous with these two because their timing is so different. McBride does not ever stop. Brown only ever stops. And so if you're a linebacker, I don't really know what you do about that. You just you can't ever get used to one of them because they just put the other one in. Um, this running game is, is fantastic. It's so much fun to watch. I think it's going to be really, really good this year. They bring back basically every offensive lineman. Um, and the, the pass defense, as I mentioned, every cornerback who matters is back. Mac McWilliams is back. Uh, Starling Thomas, uh, the fifth CD Daniels, all those guys have starts last year. Mac McWilliams is an all freshman pick before he got hurt. Keandre Swopes is back at star. They have one safety to return. Um, and he was fine. He wasn't the better of the two safeties. That's Will Bowler. Um, and they, they, the loss of Chris Mole as sort of a linebacker safety hybrid would have hurt a lot more had he not missed all of 2021 with an injury and they found a replacement in the form of Keandre Swoops. So like this, I think this defense is going to be fantastic against the pass and probably just in general and the running game is going to be really good. And and so when it comes to splitting the two, I I think it really does come down to preference. It comes down to what you like more as a, as a team if you're picking one. I'm uh, I'm tempted to go against the grain a little bit and to say that UAB is going to win just because I, I think it's really hard to defend a title. And I think that it's... I, I trust a, a pass defense and a running game to travel more than I trust a passing offense and a, a run defense to travel. And that's, that's what it comes down to for me. I think UAB wins the conference. I think it's extremely close. I think they play a really, really good game when these two meet up. Um, and I, I think that it could absolutely be absolutely be like a a 12-0 UAB and an 11-1 UTSA kind of situation. I think they're totally that good. I, I don't know exactly. I want your score prediction right now. I want over-under pick, one score <laughs> prediction. Lock it in right now. Um, I, I'll take back the 12-0 and 11-1 and because I think one of these teams plays LSU, so that, that might be un, unlikely. But uh, they're, they're both going to be really good. I think you I think UAB wins that game like 34-31. I think it's really, really good. I think it's a, a, a an extremely exciting battle all season. I'm very excited for it. I do not respect uh, LSU. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I think UAB is the one who plays them. Um, I I uh, I can't remember who it was. Let me let me find the guy's name real quick because I, I don't want to just uh, say a UAB writer and not mention the guy who it is specifically. Ed, Evan. Dudley. Yeah. Well, there are there are hundreds of them. Yeah. Too. Evan Dudley is the guy. He's from Alabama.com. He said uh, that that UAB traditionally doesn't really focus especially hard on like p5 upsets because they want to win the conference and so a lot of game planning for those games is more looking ahead to the next week and he said that this season because of when they get lsu and because they think they might actually have a chance they're probably going to game plan specifically to beat lsu which they just haven't done historically um so that's something to be (laughs) on the lookout for because i i don't think i don't think it's impossible that uab could upset lsu this season and boy would that be funny um, LSU, congratulations on your Brian Kelly. Here's the guy you should have hired. He's beating your team. He's got UAB doing it. Like that's uh, that's good shit. That's the shit that we very much like. I, I don't think it would actually happen. And I, I was mostly just, I guess, being facetious, but I do think it would fucking kick ass. That would be happen. so fun. Could you imagine, like UAB beating any SEC team would kick ass because of what Alabama tried to do to kill UAB and successfully did. But um, damn, beating LSU is. That is that good shit. That is that is yeah, the, a very a very funny outcome for LSU though of like uh you know Alabama pissing someone off and them taking the blow for it. It's literally just the it's like the uh it's the hoodie yeah. set meme that's been going around of the you know yeah. <laughs> of, of like fuck Ti fuck Nelly why you say fuck me yeah uh, it's that's what's going around yeah it's it, yeah <laughs> that's like that is the next best thing to UAB beating the shit out of Alabama which uh God willing we will get one day because that would just be delightful.
delightful to, to see. But I'll take LSU this season. I would be I'd be more than pleased with that. Let's go. Cool. Um, well, anything else for you, Patrick? Can I wrap up this preview before we go into the uh, into our next week's episode? No, I don't. I don't think so. I, uh, I I'm I'm excited about the Cusa. I'm excited. I'm excited about every G5 league, but I liked watching the Cusa last season. I think that the bottom of it is is stinky, but the top of it is really fun to watch. And there's a lot of distinct styles in here, a lot of interesting storylines at you know Charlotte, at UTEP, at FAU, and then at the top of the league. Um, I think there are plenty of good reasons to watch, and I would I would encourage people to do so. Go Bucks. Sure. <laughs> All right, Ryan, catch you later. All right, bye.